Uh, does anybody else get choked up every time they see, like, the little kid running into the soldier dad's arms? Oh, my gosh. It kills me every time. Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. Uh, my name is Sean Bolton. Excited to be here this morning talking to everyone about power. Um, so I was, I was going through, racking my brain this week, trying to think of, like, metaphors or illustrations to demonstrate power. I came up with a couple. The first one is um, this. My, my son got this for me a couple years ago. It's a kind of illustrates the power of dad. It says, super dad, not all heroes wear capes. Really like that one. And then on the back, I'm not sure how to feel about it. It says, way more exciting than a bird or a plane. So, yeah, <laughs> that was a <laughs> But, um, yeah, there's a lot of power in dad. And the other thing that I came up with is, if you give me a second, I have a shirt on underneath, I promise. <laughs> it is... Superman. How many Superman fans do I have? Anybody? Just me? All right, cool. <laughs> All right, so nobody in, like, history, real or made up, has ever, to me, has ever demonstrated power like Superman, right? He has size. He has strength. He can fly. He can run faster than the speed of light. He has x-ray and laser vision. Like, wow. <laughs> Dude is powerful. And when I think of power, Superman definitely comes to mind. Have any of your other pastors ever worn a Superman shirt to preach in? I didn't think so. Okay. <laughs> so Superman's really powerful. But today we're going to be challenged to think about, a po about power a little bit differently by looking at a prayer that Paul wrote uh, for the church in Ephesus. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. But before we get to that, I want to talk about a little bit of a problem that I'm seeing in our church, in people in general, in myself, in my family. And that problem is that we just, I feel like we just don't have the time that we need to relax and recharge our batteries. Can anyone relate? Don't have the time that we need to relax. You know, it's summertime. The time, this time of year is supposed to be our chance to take a break, relax, and recover from the frantic part of the year, right? This is supposed to be the take a breath. But so often, summer turns into a sprint. You know, the reality for many of us is that our pace of life remains just as frantic during the summertime as it did the other nine or ten months of the year. I think I did my math right on that one. And the result is that instead of lazy afternoons spent with family and friends, we end up overwhelmed um, at summer's end and just are exhausted, just as exhausted as we were when we went into summer. Every time we try to create more space, and I'm guilty of this, every time we try to create more space, we fill it with something else, don't we? We're not just content just to sit by the pool or sit by the whatever and, and relax. My wife is a teacher. She gets her summers off. I'm very envious of her. She gets her summers off, but, but I know that even now, a week into her summer break, her, her mind, it, I know it's churning with like summer plans and projects to work on, both her and me, <laughs> and things to do with, with my son uh, on her days off while I'm at work. And Karina's not alone in this. When I get a day off, I know that I, I'm immediately, okay, what can I fill that time with? What projects do I have to work on? I can get some yard work done, right? And this way of living is exhausting, and our natural reaction to that exhaustion is to say, okay, I need a break. I need that thing that we're all searching after, and that thing that we covet every summer or whatever. I need a vacation, right? That's the answer to all my problems is a vacation. I can take a break, and that's the best solution that we can come up with is just to put everything on hold, Go to the beach, go somewhere, and just take a break. And a vacation 
you know, and our minds is going to solve everything. We're going to come back fully refreshed and ready to take on the world. But vacations aren't always the restful solution that we had hoped for. How many of you guys have ever vacationed with a toddler? Right? <laughs> Not restful, okay? So a couple years ago, um, Karina and I and Derek, Derek was about two at this point in time, we went to Florida, we went to Disney World, and my son, God bless him, woke up every morning at like 5 a.m. ready to go. <laughs> and my wife is a saint. She most days let me sleep, and she like, we had a, like a jacuzzi hot tub in our bedroom, and he would always want to hang out in there, like we thought he was going swimming in there, and he was small enough that it actually felt like a swimming pool. But that would be like 45 minutes to an hour of, our, of Karina and his morning until uh, we, everyone else was awake and ready to uh, go out to the parks or whatever. Needless to say, by the time we finally landed back in Pennsylvania, we pretty much had sworn off Mickey Mouse for a while. So um, the solution to this problem of just being busy all the time and not being able to take a break, it can't be solved with a change in our schedule. It can't be solved with a break away from our everyday norm. It's not going to supply the rejuvenation that we're looking for. And if it does, I can guarantee one of two things. One, if it supplies that rejuvenation, a vacation, one, you don't have, you don't have a toddler. <laughs> and secondly, it's, it's, gonna be, it's only going to be temporary. Before long, we'll again be overwhelmed by the stresses and demands of the world all around us. So I want to take a second. I, just, I want you to think about the things that are overwhelming you right now. What are the things that are just causing that stress in your life? What has you feeling overwhelmed today? Is it your family? Is it your job? Maybe some friendships that you have? Or maybe even you're at a point where your relationship with God is causing you stress and overwhelming you. If it's not one of those, I'm sure you have something on the tip of your mind that, that, that you can relate to that. So this morning, I want to invite you to consider that the solution to your problem is not more physical rest. The solution to your problem is actually more power. And since we all aren't, none of us are superhuman aliens from the planet Krypton, we have to make sure that we're plugging in to the right power source. I believe that God wants us to discover that he has the power available for us for every season of life, whether it's busy or restful, chaotic or calm or fast or slow. The circumstances of our lives do not get to call the shots for how we feel. Let me say that again. The circumstances of our lives do not get to call the shots for how we feel. If they do, we will constantly be on this just emotional roller coaster. Instead, God's supernatural power can provide us what we need to thrive in every season of our life, no matter what's going on. Can any of us say that there's, there's things at our job, at work, I'm going to use that, that uh, illustration, things at your job that maybe you don't agree with or you don't like? Can anybody relate? No? Okay, a few of us, thank you. Things that are going on at the at job that you're just like, man, I wish that was different. And how many of you are like me? You don't have to raise your hands for this one. How many of you are like me? And when those things happen, it makes you feel a certain kind of way, right? You react maybe not in the most positive, God-honoring way. Once, I once even, I said this to my boss one time, and looking back, it's like one of those moments like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. So I said to her, every time that I feel like I'm in a good place, something happens that messes it all up, right? What if instead of letting our circumstances dictate how we feel, we accepted God's invitation to partner with him, 
to allow him to help us to stop being focused on the stresses and demands of, of life and being overwhelmed by the, their presence and instead know what it is to experience true peace and power in our lives as we fully give our lives over to God. Because he wants to take each of the things that are overwhelming us or causing us stress or making us tired. He wants to take all those and help us to stop living in anger and fear of them. And instead see see each of them as an opportunity for God to display his incredible power and love in and through us. That's what God's calling us to. So I want to begin this journey now by, by reading um, the prayer of Paul that we're, we're focusing on. Again, it's out of Ephesians 3. It's printed in your program guides. But if you would, instead of reading along with me, I just wanted to give you guys a chance to take a little bit of a break. Close your eyes. Have a little rest. I want to read this passage over you. It's a prayer. I want to pray it over you. And just, it's, a, it's God's promise written to you for when you're feeling overwhelmed by life. It goes like this. It's a, Paul says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And pray that you, being rooted and established in in love, may have power together with, with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. God, thank you so much for your love and for the power that you're offering us today. I pray that you would speak directly into our hearts this morning and teach us something fresh and new about your power and the better life that you have for us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can go ahead and pull out your, um, your outlines there on the back side. If you look in your, in your program, guys, it says the scoop. It's on the back side of that. You want to follow along with me. And our first point today in talking about power is that power comes when we take the Father's hand. Power comes when we take the Father's hand. And as you're filling in your outlines, I'm going to reread uh, verses 14 through 16. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in in your inner being. So God wants to strengthen us with power. It's written in this verse. He wants to strengthen us with power in our inner being through the Holy Spirit. He wants to give us power, but it only comes when, as the verse says, we kneel before the Father. It takes a little bit of humility to kneel before the Father and say, God, I know that what you have and what you want for my life is better than what I do. I know that you know what's best for me. My son, Derek, he's he's four years old, and he's at an age where... um, he blindly trusts me, right? <laughs> he actually likes to hold my hand at this point in time. When we're getting ready to cross the street, while you know, he looks both ways, he knows that that's supposed to happen, he still like, won't take a step out on that street without a kung fu grip on my right hand, right? And that's, you know, as a dad, that feels pretty cool. Um, but I know that eventually Derek's going to have crossed enough streets, he's, you know, I've looked both ways enough times, and to, that he starts to feel a little more confident in his ability to do that on his own, right? He may at some point feel like he's too old 
to hold dad's hand. Like, I, I imagine when he's like 20, he's like, dad, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, right? So he's going to feel like he's master and doesn't need to hold my hand anymore. Even if deep down inside, he knows when he's standing at that, on that curve, he understands and knows like deep down inside that maybe that intersection's a little bit too busy for him to really feel 100% confident to take that first step and make it to the other side without any problems. And isn't that kind of the way that we sometimes approach uh, our relationship with God and our need for God? When we desperately need him to get us across the street, when we see no other way out of our situation, we have no problem asking God to lead us and guide us, telling him that we'll do whatever he wants if he just get us out of this situation. I can remember times throughout my life when I've found myself in pretty desperate situations, most of them of my own doing, where I've said to God, please, God, just do this one thing. Rescue me in this moment. Show me your power, and I will do whatever you ask me to to do. We play this kind of song and dance of trying to bargain with God. You do this, I'll do this. We say things like, God, I'll become a missionary. I'll feed the poor. God, if you get me out of this, I'll even root for the Red Sox. Just kidding. The Yankees won last night, by the way. But (laughs) the point is we have no problem trusting him completely with the direction of our lives when we're desperate, when we just need a way out, and realize that he's better able to guide us through that than we are on our own. But what often happens is that over time, like my son, not wanting to hold my hands across the street, we become more confident and less convinced that we need to always follow God's direction. And pretty, pretty soon, we've slowly pulled our hand out of his grasp and start to head into that busy intersection on our own until we find again, ourselves once again in that desperate situation begging God to get us out of it. Do you see the crazy cycle that we get on? Right? We think that we got it, we got it, we got it. Oh, man, I don't got it. Right? We, we get on this crazy cycle, and somehow um, we refuse to take the Father's hand in those moments and make him part of our everyday lives. God's remedy is to reach out, take his hand, and invite him to guide you, trusting that he knows what is best for you. And there's a cool thing that happens in this verse, in in, uh, verse 16. Uh, Paul wraps this part up by saying how God accomplishes this in us, how God gets us to the plate where we're willing to take God's hand. It says he will strengthen us through his spirit in your inner being. And this is really cool to me because we see the three parts of the Trinity operating seamlessly together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all playing a part in directing our lives. And it looks kind of like this. From the moment that we first enter this life, God, the Father, extends his hand to us, warmly inviting us into a relationship with him. From there, the Holy Spirit gently pulls us towards God, making our hearts aware of our need for him, and preparing our hearts to receive him. And then it comes to Christ himself. Jesus, he takes residence in our heart. And that's going to take us up to our second point, which is that power comes when Christ makes his home in us. Power comes when Christ makes his home in us. Verse 17 says that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So verse 16 is all about the Holy Spirit preparing our hearts. And verse 17 is the effect. Like, why is that happening? He's preparing our hearts so that we can receive Christ. We have to point back to the previous verse in order to know what is accomplished 
in order for Christ to dwell in our hearts. This, in a nutshell, this was Paul's prayer up to this point. His prayer was that the Holy Spirit would do the work necessary to prepare us to receive Christ in our hearts. We know from the story of Jesus in the first four books of the New Testament that that we're only able to have a relationship with God because of Jesus and his death and resurrection to pay for our sins. In John 14, 6, we see Jesus telling the disciples that he's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. So our verse from Ephesians is not saying that it's the Holy Spirit alone that makes it possible for Christ, Christ to dwell in us, but that the Holy Spirit is actively pursuing us even before God's invitation to dwell in his heart, dwell in our hearts. And if I look back at my story, I can think of a number of times where I can see the Holy Spirit doing work um, on my heart to get me ready for that moment where Jesus extended that invitation to me. I was saved when I was 17, but along the way, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, leading me, whether it was through circumstances or people that he placed in my life to speak love to me and to tell me about who Jesus was and to soften my heart enough to get me to a place where I was ready to accept Jesus. And I now know, looking back, that had the Holy Spirit not done those things, had he not strategically placed people in my life to speak into my heart, and had certain things not happened in my life, I would have never, ever, ever been in a place that when Jesus came and invited me to a life with him, that I accepted him. Because of all that, I was able to open my heart to God the way that I did. And I believe that the Holy Spirit does a similar work in all of us. He uses circumstances in your life to gently, and in some cases, if you're like me, kind of hard-headed, not so gently, uh, to draw you to him. He uses the friends around you to show his love in a tangible way. He uses parents, mentors, pastors, friends, family, and many others in your life to communicate a message of God's Son in a way that's designed specifically and exactly the way that you need to hear it. The way that I responded to God's message isn't the same way that you're going to, and vice versa. God knows us. He loves us. He's going to design an invitation and a message specifically for you in a way that only you can respond to it. And he does all of this to prepare, for, prepare you for Christ to dwell in your heart. For those of you in the room who have accepted Christ, all right, my, my guess is I could bring each and every one of you up here on stage give you a microphone, and you can give a testimony of the people and the circumstances in your life that prepared you, that the Holy Spirit used to prepare you for that moment when, Christ, when you accepted Christ. Or maybe you're sitting here today and the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now to make a decision. He's using this moment right here to prepare your heart for Jesus to dwell in, to be your leader, your forgiver, and your best friend to do life with. The Holy Spirit is inviting you to plug into that incredible power that God has for you by allowing today to be your first step or maybe even just a fresh start in your relationship with Christ. And I want to be obedient to what God's calling me to do, and I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. I want to pray a prayer over you, and I would invite you, whether you want to accept Christ for for the first time today or just need a fresh start in your relationship with God, to pray this prayer along with me. So close your eyes and bow your heads, and please, I invite you to pray this along with me. Father God, thank you for your love. 
Holy Spirit, thank you for preparing us to receive Jesus in our hearts. For some in this room right now, that moment, that invitation is happening right now. And I pray that you would help us not to be scared to accept that invitation. Jesus, we know that we are sinners. We know that we get overwhelmed by the wrong things. We know that we try to do life on our own, without you, apart from you. Right now, Lord, we accept your invitation for you to live in our hearts and dwell in our hearts and lead us guide us. We'll tap into to you and your love each and every day, God. You died on a cross for our sins. You rose from the dead to pay for our sins, God. Thank you so much. We love you. In Jesus' name. So if you took the opportunity to respond to the the invitation of the Holy Spirit to invite Jesus into your heart this morning for the first time, congratulations. You've made the best decision that you ever could, (laughs) Um, and you're not going to regret it ever. Or maybe um, you you just needed a fresh start this morning, and you responded in that that manner. However you responded this morning, I would love just the opportunity to chat with you and pray with you after the service. Please come find me. So this is the beginning of an amazing new journey for you. I'm so excited for you if you made that decision today. And after making the decision that you have made today, one of the first things that you're going to experience is the sheer unbridled power of unconditional love from the only one who can give it, God himself. And that brings us to our third point, and that is that power comes when we're overwhelmed with God's love. Power comes when we're overwhelmed with God's love. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. So all this talk about power, all this talk about Superman and dad power or whatever, all this talk, and we come at the end of the passage, we discover that the power we seek is not a power for the purpose of taking control of our lives or to stand up for for ourselves or anything rooted in the physical. It's not Superman power. Instead, we find out that it's actually power for the sake of knowing how wide and long and high and deep the Father's love is. Because God knows that if we fully grasp the power of his love, that it will reach into every part of who we are, providing us with his power no matter what we face. That when we choose to rest in God's love, it is truly the most powerful and secure place that we can ever be. So I was thinking about the night that that I accepted Christ as my Savior. This week, I was thinking about that and what that moment was like for me. And it was 
The night that I was saved was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. The goosebumps and chills that I felt that very night are probably similar to some of the ones that you guys might be feeling or have felt in the past couple minutes. I was going through a really tough time in my life when, when Jesus extended that invitation. I had a lot of anger, a lot of hurt, confusion, and even guilt that kept me from getting to even having the desire to want to know God. And honestly, the guilt that I was feeling made me question if God really wanted to get to know me. I don't really remember what the pastor said that night that that caused me to respond. I don't remember much about it, let alone what, what it was that he said that resonated with me enough to get me to respond to Christ's invitation. But I, what, what I do remember is just the amazingly loving feeling that I got when I said, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. The feeling that God brought over me in the moment that I accepted Christ in my, as my Savior, it was just phenomenal. I had never before felt such peace and love, and at that moment, I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life pursuing God, pursuing the God that loved me enough to die on a cross for my sins and meet me in that moment, in that chair, with all my hurt and pain and guilt and shame and whatever. I was going to pursue that God for the rest of my life. And there have been many times since then that God has shown up in my life in a similar manner. You know, when I needed a hug, he was there to wrap my, his arms around me. When I most needed to feel his presence in a real and tangible way, he was there in power and in love. You know, the most recent and biggest one that I can think of right now is when my dad passed away. You know, it's been like three years now, and you know, Father's Day is kind of a tough time for me and, and my brothers and sisters. But, you know, it amazes me that each Father's Day, usually through my son, God shows up and says, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. Grabs me that hug that I need. But what I've come to realize is that while these powerful moments are awesome and amazing and they're memorable and we get goosebumps and all that, the real power of God's love comes when we understand that our ongoing relationship with our Savior is more than just a moment. It's more than just a feeling where we get goosebumps and feel good. God wants our all. He wants to be involved in even the most minute details of our lives. And when we can trust him with those things and stop relying on our strength, we'll find the overwhelming love and joy that he wanted for us all along. While the moments are good and they're special and we remember them, our ongoing relationship with God, with our loving Savior is where the true power is. We began today by talking about and kind of having a pity party for ourselves over the fact that at all times of the year, even in the lazy days of summer, that we feel overwhelmed by the pace of life. That we often feel stripped of power rather than empowered. And I want you to consider with me this morning that maybe ultimately the problem is not that we feel overwhelmed. It's actually that we're, that we're allowing ourselves to be overwhelmed by the wrong things. Maybe it's time for us to be overwhelmed not by the pace of our life or the complexity of our relationships or the expectations of our family or our job or whatever, but instead be overwhelmed by God himself. Allow his power, his love to overwhelm us 
all the moments of our lives through a relationship with him. When we allow God's power and love to overwhelm us, it will change everything. Where we used to rely on physical, our own physical understanding of our circumstances, our limitations, and even our weaknesses, God's love invites us to be grounded instead of in the physical and our own understanding. God's love invites us to be grounded in the spiritual. Only then can we receive God's love in the way that he designed us. Our series resource that Mel was talking about earlier, it's called Praying uh, the Prayers of Paul. I just wanted to, to read a little excerpt from it um, that talks about living in the spiritual. It said, it is also in, the, in this prayer that Paul deals with one of the most difficult transitions we face as believers. To change our focus from the natural world and living solely according to what we see, touch, taste, hear, smell, and learn from the physical world, to seeing, tasting, touching, hearing, learning, and drawing strength from the spiritual world. While in the natural, we exercise our minds and bodies to master the skills of living in the physical world. When we are born again, we add the ability to renew our minds and exercise our human spirits to grow in the things of the spiritual realm. These guys that wrote this book are a lot smarter than me, so I'm going to dumb it down a little bit. (laughs) In other words, we have to move on from relying on the physical world, meaning us and our surroundings, to determine our next move and the direction of our lives, to seeking guidance, leadership, and let's be honest, our worth uh, and our direction from God. Our natural response is to, to take in everything around us and make a, uh, the practical decision or, or make the thing that makes the most sense to us without involving God in the conversation. But I think what the authors here are saying, what Paul is saying, is that we need to invite God into that conversation to say, God, what's my next move? What do I do? In a moment, we're going to take communion together. We're going to have um, the bread and the juice passed out today rather than everybody coming up. Alicia Argot's going to lead us um, in worship through her dance ministry. Um, when you get the elements, if you could just hold on to them and not, not take them right away, because Mel's going to come back up and lead us uh, through communion. But in preparation to receive communion, I want you to begin to think about inviting God to help us make the transition today from being overwhelmed by the physical world around us and all its troubles, and instead... Ask God to overwhelm you with his love and power. And not just to be overcome one time or have a cool moment in church, but instead that God might allow you to rest in his power and enjoy the free, unconditional love of our creator. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for your love. I just pray that each and every person in here understands what it means to be overwhelmed by that love. To fully rely on you and have a relationship with you, God. Not just a moment in time that we can point back to, but an ongoing relationship where we involve you in every part of our lives, God. So as we prepare to take communion together, help us to not to be reliant on the physical world. And that today be the first step in a life devoted to and in relationship. Jesus name. Amen.
Once it's a gentle and thundering noise Oh God, all that you are is so
Thank you, worship team and Alicia. We model communion after a very meaningful moment between Jesus and his disciples. And we call it the Last Supper. We call it the Last Supper. Um, but at the time, the disciples had really no idea it would be their last supper um, with Jesus. And the scripture uh, in all of the Gospels paints a really beautiful picture of that night. And in fact, the room where they shared the Last Supper wasn't one of their own. Um, if you look in the Gospels and read about how they came upon that room, it was a guest room in a stranger's home. Uh, really beautiful how it all worked out. And I had the privilege of visiting that room one year in Israel with a team of people here from Daybreak. And it was powerful to walk up to what they at least presumed to be the room. And at the time it was empty, but the scriptures say it was fully furnished that night for the Last Supper. And it was Passover. So this was a really big time in Jewish culture and a very meaningful celebration for them. And so the disciples and Jesus sat around this room um, partaking in a meal that was a beautiful, meaningful time for them. Jesus knew it would be his last with them, but they didn't know. And they sat around the table that night, and Jesus' time with them, I'm sure, was very meaningful for all of them. And at one moment, Scripture tells us that um, Jesus picked up bread. And we today take these gluten-free crackers <laughs> as a representation of it, but he does instruct us that when we eat the bread, that is a representation of his body, and we drink the juice or the wine, in this case it's juice, um, that night it was wine, um, as a representation of his blood, and again, they were so confused probably about what he was talking about and what he really meant, but he knew um, that this would be a representation of the sacrifice um, that he would make as an act of unconditional love. Sean has so aptly talked about this morning. So we want to take a moment today, as Jesus instructed his disciples, to do it in remembrance of him, or while you take, remember me. Not only remember my sacrifice, but embrace my deep love, my deep unconditional love. Um, and so together as a church family, will you please take the bread and do this in remembrance of Jesus. I'm going to read this now from scripture as we take the cup from Matthew chapter 26. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, which we just did. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. But then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. Jesus, as an act of worship today, collectively as a church family, we do this in remembrance of you. We do this in, in remembrance of your sacrifice, knowing that that came because of your unconditional love for us your abundant grace pouring out in each of our lives, your ultimate forgiveness of each and every one of us. 
your deep, deep affection towards us. So we worship you together today as a church family, and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.